0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
1: There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it, Deep to left Field, and it's a gutter. Big Fly. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports on a Sunday morning. And the driving jam time! And
2: the Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal entry law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com back,
0: pattern caught!
2: Touchdown!
0: Kansas City!
3: Now, sports on a Sunday morning
2: on America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
1: Welcome back to the show from the Stiefel Sports Studio. I'm Tom Ackerman. It is 1107. We just heard from Lee Trevino. Let's hear from another great from the game of golf. The Ascension Charity Classic is at Norwood Hills Country Club in the beginning of September. It's going to be an amazing time, September 9th through the 11th, at Historic Norwood Hills, and joining us to help kick off, as we're getting close to it, is one of the greatest players of all time. Nancy Lopez is with us on KMOX. Thank you for being with us. Well,
4: thank you. It's great to be here.
1: And great to see you here with Lee Trevino. What a great combo to get everybody fired up.
4: Well, you know, Lee, I get, I stay very entertained listening to Lee, and I share a few stories too. And it's fun so to do these kind of events for me, um, to be involved anyway with any charity, uh, to be able to help everyone that we can. And I think golf really opened a lot of doors for me when I was growing up and and to be able to to be that celebrity, that can help raise money, um, I really love to do that.
1: How did it do that? And I want to circle back to the charities, but how did golf open doors for you? It's a sport about people, isn't it?
4: You know, I have always loved people, um, never been too shy. And so when I played golf, I really fed off the the fans and the people that came out to watch me. Um, And they're always so special. You know, when they wanted your autograph, it was special because it meant something to them. Because I remember being a little amateur and wanting to get autographs from my favorite players and how much it meant to me. And, you know, when you can bring one more player in, in the gate to watch the tournament, of course, more money goes to the charity every time we can sell one more ticket. It's important and I think you always have to make your fans feel welcome. Uh, I, I always thought that was important because I was that fan that wanted to come in and see the, some of the great players and be able to get that autograph and it's just a way to be able to give back.
1: Because you never know if someone is experiencing that for the first time. and. For those of us that love this game so much, we want to share it with everybody.
4: Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, golf was not really a job for me. It was something I really, truly enjoyed. I grew up playing at a very young age, and I had a father that was always encouraging, and um, he just always made me feel like I could do anything on the golf course. He was always positive, positive. and you know, when I get out there and I can see those little kids coming out to watch, and um, and and as I was playing on the LPGA tour for all those years, of course now it's funny because now that i'm older once in a while i have uh, a young person come up to me and ask me for my autograph and it's kind of fun because i'm always looking at him and i'm saying now how do you know who i am because <laughs> you're awful young and <laughs> the answer i get is my grandfather talks about you <laughs> and i kind of say not your father right no my grandfather so i feel really old um, but it's nice to be able to encourage those young kids to to play a game that, you know, really did open doors for me and gave me opportunity. I got to go to college on a scholarship with golf. And, you know, it just, it, it's just a great game with a lot of tradition, and, and it teaches you a lot of good things about who you are. You know, being honest, going out there and playing with integrity um, and being able to play a game that really has, I think, is probably one of the only sports right now I think that keeps that tradition going.
1: How do you feel when you see girls and women playing, let alone golf, but sports in general?
4: I, I love it. I have I at the end of my career I decided what am I gonna do to help promote golf because I still love it. Start a company called Nancy Lopez Golf Adventures, which for me, I, I want to promote women and teach them that you deserve to be on the golf course, too, just as much as anybody else. We have a lot of guys that come to my events, too, because they want to learn the philosophies of my father, which were our mantras, play happy. Because my dad always said I play better when I play happy. And I find out there's a lot of mad golfers out there. So it's really fun to involve them and to be able to teach them a game and help them realize that they're, if they work a little bit, they can learn different shots. And so I, I, I have this company now, and it's fun to see how many people we've touched and how many women want to come out and play. And we've got the guys coming out, too, and teaching them to really enjoy the game because it's a game that I've always enjoyed. And my dad taught me to do that, to go out there and have fun, You're not going to hit every shot great, um, but it's an attitude of how you approach the next shot to be able to hit it great.
1: It is great, and now this event, the Ascension Charity Classic, what they're doing for North County, but even bigger than that, opening this game up to everyone. Diversity and inclusion is a big part of what they do.
4: Yeah, well, it is important. You know, when I was growing up, being Hispanic, you know, you always knew golf was really a rich man sport, is Mm -hmm. what it was titled, and. You know, to be able to give everybody the opportunity to play this game, it's just so much fun because it is a great game. And I think COVID kind of opened the doors even more for golf because I think golf was struggling at that time and when golf was really the only thing you could do outside and maybe not be in close contact with people. And I know with my golf club company, we sold a lot of golf clubs during that time. I think a lot of women decided they were going to go out there and play golf with their husbands and, and start the game, and so we hope they keep it up. But uh, but COVID did kind of help golf, I think, a lot because now there's a lot, a lot of people playing golf.
1: Yeah, final thing for you. What do you love about this game still today? What, what, and maybe thinking back to why you first loved it.
4: Um, well, I loved it because my dad was... Um, he was such a great motivator, positive person, uh, not like some parents nowadays. It really kind of beat the, the athlete up a little bit. But, you know, I always think of the times when I would walk as a professional, walk inside the ropes, and that became my world at that time. When I walked back outside the ropes, that other world was there. Yeah. But I, I always, when I played with my dad as a young person, and, and I, I, the things I enjoyed was walking the golf course, smelling that fresh cut grass um, and I always would look at my dad when I would smell that fresh cut grass and say dad smells like a tournament <laughs> so those are just special memories I always had of being out in the sunshine out in the open um, it was just a great place to be as a young person and I think it kept me off the streets and kept me out of trouble being out there on the golf course and as much as I loved golf it was just a special place for me.
1: That's really well done. Being aware of your surroundings. Mm -hmm. Can it make you a better player? Maybe. But you definitely will enjoy yourself more.
4: Yeah, I I just really loved it. And like I said, I still do. I'm 65 years old now and still love to play. I have a husband that loves to play. I've kind of become a golf widow. He plays more than I do. But I do play a lot and, um, you know, hope to, you know, just keep swinging and playing and promoting golf and helping charities and uh, just enjoying golf till I can't play it anymore
1: real treat to be able to talk to you thank you very much
4: thank you we are
1: getting ready for the ascension charity classic with my golf happy hour co-host marina horton i'm tom ackerman and we are here with nick ragone of ascension the big event coming up the first week of september following labor day weekend is the ascension charity classic presented by emerson congratulations by the way on a great first two years first year didn't play golf but you raised a lot of money for north county charities second year you up that total to a million dollars and now here we are in year three
3: year three is going to be even bigger than year one and two we could just tell by early projections we've sold out all three days of pro-ams all of our cabanas all of our hospitality we're adding two more holes we have so much demand and we set record attendance last year i conservatively think we'll increase that by 50 percent, maybe 100 percent. so we are if last year was good, this year is gonna be off the charts.
1: And today here at Norwood Hills Country Club Marina they had Nancy Lopez and Lee Trevino speaking to the audience and they're going to be part of the festivities. You're talking about two of the greatest players in the history of golf.
5: They were fantastic today. I didn't realize how funny they well that Lee Trevino is, but how funny they are together. And there was such a fantastic way to just kick off such a wonderful event in just a positive happy
3: way it really was that's why we brought them together you know lee and nancy have a history together when nancy was 12 she won the new mexico state open and lee famously her father asked lee for a look at her swing she had an unorthodox swing and they told the story and lee said if it works don't change it and she literally stuck with that her whole career she you know she like jim furek has a, a very unique swing and lee said at 12 years old don't touch it And so to have them together on stage last year we honored nicholas and watson honor her and and Lee, and, uh, and Hailer win this year is really special.
1: What about the charities, let's focus on that. Mary Grove, Urban League, Boys and Girls Clubs, what are some of the things that have come out of that, some stories that you really appreciate?
3: I mean, if you think about the work they did, and, and we're talking right now in the aftermath of some historic flooding, and uh, Michael McMillian, the Urban League, have been in the community the last 24 hours trying to relocate people, find hotels for them, uh, help them with food, just dealing with the reconstruction after the floods. And, and it brings to life exactly why we did this tournament which is to create an additional safety net for for uh people in need particularly north st louis county and to have the urban league boys and girls club of mary grove be beneficiaries is what this tournament's about i always say the golf is second the golf's great the golf takes care of itself we all know that but the winner is always the charities and and we're going to keep building on it every year we want to give more last year We gave close to a million dollars this year. We're going to give more.
1: Marina, what was your impression of the tournament last year? You and I covered it together, spent a lot of time walking around and seeing all the people here. That was the big thing for me, people turning out.
5: Yeah, I was surprised at how many people there were, but it never felt crowded. It was so well organized, and I've been thinking about it every day since. I just have not been able to contain my excitement for this September.
1: What was the turnout total? About 51,000?
3: Yeah, we had 51,000, including 5,000 on our Pro-Am on Thursday, which, to put that in perspective, a good Champions Tour Friday does 5,000 people. So I was having lunch with somebody from the Tour on Thursday during the Pro-Am and we got word that we had about five thousand people on the premise, and, and he said to me, that, that's, a, "That's a good Friday, and some markets a good Saturday." And I said, "Welcome to St. Louis. That's, <laughs> that's St. Louis.
1: That's right. I mean, we're you know that's what we do. We're, we're a golf town for sure. We're a great sports town. So let us know just the kind of the layout for this one. How people can get tickets. What do you have left to sell?" What can people try to grab onto here so they're not too late
3: sure so go to ascensioncharityclassic.com uh we have ground passes still we have our club 314s which is really like the vip experience on the 17th hole they're almost sold out it was kind of party central last year people loved it um, we built out six holes last year in the back nine now we're building out the whole back nine and we've sold out virtually all of it we had two days of programs last year we added a third and programs are virtually sold out so if you want a program hurry up and Go to centralcharityclassic.com, but we, um, you know, this is the beginning of our selling season starting with the, the Legends Lunch Day we're virtually sold out on everything. So go to the website. Um, ground passes are still available, but we're going to have hopefully great weather and a great time. There are some rumors that you and I are
1: going to be playing in the Pro-Am. These are mere rumors right now that I'm trying to confirm.
5: Well, I know that I'm going to show up to play. <laughs> I can't go. speak for my uh, co-host here, but I, I've heard those rumors.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to confirm those. The KMOX Newsroom is working feverishly to confirm those. Uh, I wanted to just one more thing, and that is I'm trying to get a read on the future of North County golf. You know, I see this terrific threesome with Glen Echo, with Normandy. We are here at Norwood Hills. Glen Echo with that great history, but Normandy and, and what's happening there. Tell me about the partnership that you've put together there and what you envision.
3: Sure. It really is about investing in the future of North St. Louis County. And so, we're obviously at Norwood here, and our tournament resides there. We added a second tournament that week, the APJ Classic, up at Glen Echo, which is, APJ is an African-American, a developmental tour, mostly for African-American and other underrepresented golfers. And to have it at Glen Echo is historic. And then, the Charity Classic announced earlier this year, we're working with Beyond Housing and uh, Rich and Tom and Chris over there to help with the, the redesign that Jack Nichols is doing, investing in and hopefully using Normandy in the future as a Monday qualifier for the Charity Classic and potentially playing our APGA Classic at Normandy, which we think would be a great long-term commitment for the community. You know, it's important that Normandy stay open, it stay affordable, and it gets that redesign done, that Nicholas Signature redesign. And to have three historic courses within a couple miles of each other in North St. Louis County, I honestly think this will become the hub of golf in our region in years to come.
1: And Marina, you've become great friends for the years with Christian Heavens, and and for him to have that opportunity to play, I know is very meaningful. What a great advocate for the game of golf, but just a, a wonderful person first of all. But the ability to spread golf to so many people.
5: Yeah, he does a great job with kids and with connecting. And so I think having him, when you have events that are trying to grow the game, having someone that can represent the people that are coming out to watch is huge. And I think he just, he's a hometown boy and I think he's, I don't wanna make any uh, hasty predictions, predictions. but I think he's gonna take it home.
1: These are stories worth rooting for and it's part of what you're doing. So congratulations again on it. I know it's been a great effort. But when you start seeing a packed house, you start seeing a packed golf tournament, you start getting the corporate support, that has to be rewarded.
3: You know, it's exciting. We're six, seven weeks out. Uh, this is the run up to the tournament. We're gonna have a great field. We already know that we have early commitments. And I think this has become in, in a short amount of time an elite event on the PGA Tour and an elite event for our area. You know, we have soccer now, we have NASCAR. Uh, the Battle Hawks are coming back, the XFL. We have a lot of wins and I'm proud that this is one of the wins for the St. Louis region.
1: The Ascension Charity Classic for Marina Horton, Tom Ackerman, Nick Ragone, thanks so much. Thank you, Tommy. Thanks for joining us back in a moment on
0: KM. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. John Mosella,
1: Cardinals president of baseball operations, joins us live. Washington, D.C., the site of the Cardinals and the Nationals this afternoon. Good afternoon in D.C. Morning here in St. Louis. John. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, how are things there? First of all, let's talk bef- before we discuss a fast approaching trade deadline. The club has split the first two. Just your evaluation of how those have gone.
2: Well, obviously, uh, a good night Friday night. Uh, Michaels was great, uh, timely hitting. You know, last night, obviously disappointing. Uh, game we probably should have won. Um, multiple times uh, we had, had leads. And uh, unfortunately, weren't able to hold that or sustain it. And, um, you know, definitely last night was disappointing. The great thing about baseball is you turn the page and and, now you focus on today. So, um, you know, looking forward to getting back in that win column and and, uh, hopefully we can do that.
1: It is a long baseball season and it was a long wait, I'm sure, for Paul DeYoung, but he used it to get himself back. And yesterday, you know, it's just one game, but boy, he looked good. I mean, he hits the home run. He also had a sack fly. Uh, Paul DeYoung's trip back, what, what did that entail, John Moseloc?
2: You know, I think the, the, the thing you always have to remind yourself of is is when these types of decisions are made to, to send someone down to, to Memphis, a lot of times it's about just sort of roster management. In his case, he was, you know, really struggling at the major league level. Here's a guy that was uh, an all-star at the major league level. And so to to send him to Memphis is, you know, really sort of a a gut punch for a player. But, you know, I, I would say after the initial couple, first two weeks he was down there, you know, he realized that the whole purpose he's there is to try to get back to where he needs to be at the major league level. And so, uh, you have to admire that the last month or so he's really put together a, a nice offensive profile still playing good defense and uh, you know i think as he started to gain confidence again down there he realized the big leagues were, were in his sights and so you know ultimately we felt like you know he's ready to get back here he's ready to be the player that we believe he's capable of be, being and you know let's let's hope he can do that and last night was obviously a an excellent start. Um, and when you look at our club, especially when you look at, at, at having Goldie and Nolan having the kind of years they have, we need some of the guys that we expected to, to have, you know, offensive contributions to start stepping up. And so the timing of getting Paulie back, I think is critical. I think we, um, you know, we still have high expectations um, from Tyler O'Neal. And, but when you look at our lineup, you know we have to start supporting the entire nine hitters, and it can't just be three guys or two guys in the lineup that that are carrying us every night.
1: Absolutely, uh, Paulie is back in the lineup. He's batting seventh today, playing shortstop. Corey Dickerson's in left field, batting eighth. As Tyler O'Neill had leg cramps yesterday, but as Ollie told us last hour, Mo, it sounds like Tyler's going to be okay.
2: I think so. Um, you know, I obviously speak with the medical staff, just as uh, Ollie does, and. Mm-hmm if we thought this was serious, obviously we'd have to probably make a roster move, but they do not think it is. Um, They're, they're very, they think he's available today and and hopefully he'll be ready to go um, in the lineup on Tuesday.
1: And the Young bringing him back to the major leagues also led to the trade of Edmundo Sosa. Can you tell us how that went down and what you see in Jojo Romero who comes over from the Phillies?
2: Yeah. So starting with, with, with Sosa. Obviously, he was a guy that that brought a lot of energy to our club. I mean, you look back to last year, he was someone that was, you know, getting key starts. Um, But he, too, was struggling offensively this year. And with the emergence of of really what we've seen out of Tommy Edmond and and really uh, Nolan Gorman, it became a point where we felt like even if we don't give a lot of starts to Paul E.D., we still feel like we're protected. And unfortunately, in Sosa's case, he was out of options. And so, really, the strategy was let's try to find him a a different place to play where we can get something that we value, because otherwise, we might be forced with having to go down that DFA path. And once you do that, your return is going to be uh, almost zero to nonexistent.
1: Yeah. Uh, And Romero, just coming off Tommy John's surgery, he'll go to Triple A Memphis another addition to your bullpen depth. We all know starting pitching wins. Starting pitching has been winning for years and years, and it's no secret that everybody looks for starting pitching. Luis Castillo's off the market. He goes to Seattle. Sounds like Seattle paid a pretty steep price for him. Just how do you read the market for starting pitching right now?
2: Well, the the answer is, just like I said to you last week, that, that, you know, the market is very fluid. And with that deal going down the other night, I think it's, it's, it sort of helps define some of the things that's going on. But in trades, what people don't understand, or maybe they understand it, but they sometimes find it frustrating, is it's, it's really the, the eyes of the beholder. And, and so, in other words, you know, no matter what we think about our players, it's, it's what the team that you're actually talking with matters most. And you know, so we spend a lot of time trying to make sure we understand our system, make sure we understand um, um, how we rank them. We force rank our players. So we, we understand that. We do that in a set of lenses that has a short view and a long view, because we just want to make sure we understand what we have. But, you know, part of trading is is also having to advocate and, and just to help sell what you're trying to do too. And, and so you know, I know, like, fans sometimes get frustrated. and They're like, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And it, unfortunately, the nuances of, of these things sometimes are a little bit more complicated or well, maybe it's not complicated, it's more challenging at times. So, you know, I, I feel like, you know, as, as someone that's more of the spokesperson for the Cardinals on these types of things, you know, people get sometimes a little frustrated with what I have to say or how I say it. But it's not that, that people aren't trying. I mean, I assure you, we've been... Uh, you know locked in a hotel suite for two straight days. you know today we're actually meeting in our in our box at the ballpark just for convenience. And you know it's efforts there, but you know we don't get paid for effort, I suppose sometimes it's about you know, do we get a deal done or not? So you know fingers crossed and hopefully we can find a way to improve this flow.
1: Sure, understand that. Well, you can sense it. you can sense there's urgency there with the travel that you just noted and also the fact that it is the deadline. It's different than making a deal in the offseason, which you have. Uh, you've made deals for Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, and others in the offseason, big deals. Um, and with about uh, three minutes left here before we go to Cardinal baseball, John, finally, that uh, there's time still for you here. I mean, I know that it's getting tight. It's uh, 5 o'clock Central on Tuesday, but that does feel like still a lot of time, doesn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, it feels like endless to me. But, um, I mean, look, the, 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 when you think about sort of like movement and pace, if you recall like last year, I mean, I think we got both of our like trades done for pitchers in the final hour. As, as you can imagine, if you're, a, if, if you're a team that is trying to shop a player or, or move a player strategically – you're trying to optimize what you think your return is going to be. And so sometimes time is uh, your asset. And, you know, if you look at the the trade that went last or two nights ago uh, to Seattle and Cincinnati, that, that deal, they probably both parties felt like they've exhausted it and they got to a point where it was either do it or we're probably not going to be around to do it. So As you look at what's happening right now, it hasn't been a crazy trade market yet. And so, you know, I think there's still plenty of time. And I would imagine between, you know, the next, what do we have, roughly 48 hours plus, there's still plenty of time for things to get done.
1: We'll stay in touch with you for sure. And we always appreciate these uh, times that you spend with us. Just a quick thing before we go. Yachty, did he come out of yesterday okay, his hand and his knee?
2: He did, and I I think uh, Memphis could be hit with some weather today, so I think we plan on having him DH in today's game, but right now all arrows point to uh, being activated on Tuesday.
1: Gotcha. And Tuesday, of course, uh, trade deadline day. We appreciate these times. John Moselock, very busy taking some time to spend with us and our listeners. Thanks for the time, Mo. We appreciate it.
2: You bet. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: John Moselock with us on KMOX. 11:34. One minute away from turning things over to the Cardinals radio network. Here is your lineup today. We alluded to it in that visit. Dylan Carlson's going to lead off, play center field. Brendan Donovan will DH today. He bats second. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, the three four hitters with Gorman batting fifth and playing second base. Lars Newtbar is in right field. He bats sixth. Paul DeYoung with the home run yesterday, shortstop batting seventh. Corey Dickerson is in left field for Tyler O'Neill. Doesn't sound like it's a big deal for Tyler, dealing with some leg cramps, but we'll keep an eye on that, of course. And Austin Romine is behind the plate. He is catching for the Cardinals today. Starting pitcher for the Redbirds, Andre Palante, who went four and a third in his last start. Started to find something, it seemed like, but he just labored too early to go any further than that uh, in his last start against the Toronto Blue Jays. Cardinals four games out in the National League Central. Joe Pott takes over after this. For the Stiefel Sports Studio,
0: I'm Tom Ackerman. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai.